All right, well, good morning again. Hey, before we start, I've got to say something. It's a special day in this house. It is my wife's birthday. Happy birthday to Annette Tate. She, uh, man, my wife, there's nothing she loves more than her sleep and her birthday. And she's losing an hour of sleep on her birthday. She is truly my better half, right? Um, happy birthday to my uh, significant other, the love of my life. Um, hey, I want to pray, and then we're going to jump into uh, this Stand Firm series that we've been in the last few weeks. God, thank you so much for this day, for your grace, your mercies that are brand new today. Lord, we sang these words, but Holy Spirit, we truly, we want to invite you into this space. We believe that you speak to our hearts, you speak into um, the, the, the places in our hearts that uh, man could never speak into. And so, Lord, we just want to open ourselves up. We want to avail ourselves to whatever you want to say to us today. Lord, we are listening. We want to hear your voice. Lord, we want to be more like Christ. And so would you open our eyes and our hearts to your word? Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? Would you call us to uh, this incredible life that you've called us to and created us to live? Lord, we want more of you today. And so would you speak to us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the series called Stand Firm. We're in Ephesians chapter 6. We've been away from it the last couple weeks, so I want to bring us kind of back up to speed uh, on where we're at in this book of Ephesians. This is a, a little book of the New Testament. It's actually a letter written by the Apostle, Apostle Paul to the Christians in Ephesus. Ephesus was an ancient Greek city in Asia Minor. And, you know, this little six-letter, six-chapter book, you know, the first half of this book, Paul is talking about who God is, who we are in Christ, who he's made us to be in Christ. And then the second half of this book, Paul transitions and says, okay, now therefore, because this is who you are in Christ, this is how you are to live, how you are to walk out your faith in your life. And as we come to the end of this book of Ephesians, chapter 6, we, we, we see that the Christian life is, is warfare. It's spiritual warfare. And because we are in a spiritual battle, we need spiritual armor. And that is what this chapter is about. It's about having victory in our lives as we follow Christ. And so a couple of these pieces of armor, we're going through piece by piece through the series. The first one we talked about was the belt of truth. And we said that we're never gonna experience a life of victory until we develop a love of truth. And the truth is Jesus, the person of Jesus, the, the word of God. And, and we need truth as our, our belt. It's, it, it, it fits around our core. It's central to who we are. And so we talked about the belt of truth. Then we moved into a, a few weeks ago, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And I preached in a bulletproof vest, if you remembered. The idea behind this breastplate is it protects our vital organs, in particular, our hearts. And we said that righteousness is like a breastplate that protects our hearts from constant battle. But we protect our hearts with righteousness. The imputed righteousness, if you remember that word, that, that we've been made righteous by Christ and that we live it out practically. We're to seek to live a righteous life and that protects our hearts from the attacks of the enemy. And in all of this, the goal of putting on every piece of armor that we've talked about and that we will talk about in these next few weeks, the goal is for us to stand or to stand firm to stand or to stand firm. And, and it's a defensive position to stand firm, but it's not a passive position. 
And, and the way that I, that I think of it, um, are, are any of you in the room football fans? Anybody like football at all? A handful of you? Okay. Uh, I've got to apologize, give you a disclaimer. There's a lot of football references today, all right? Because I, I think in this way, I think my mind works in sports analogies, all right? Um, but I, I think of like a defense on a, a football team. And whenever the conversation comes up about the best defenses of all time, the 1985 Bears is, is one of the Bears, all right? It always comes up. And this is a picture of the 1985 uh, Chicago Bears, and this is kind of what their defense looked like. All right? it, the goal of defense is to stop the, the offense from scoring. It's to you know, stop the run, to defend the pass. But, but the reality is that the best, the best defenses ha- have this kind of attacking mode to them. All right? they're, they're offensive in a sense. All right? They kind of do this. They lay themselves out prostrate to take somebody out. All right, they want to hurt people. All right, there's this, there's, it's defensive, but there's this offensive kind of mentality. In fact, the best defenses actually score points, just like an offense would, all right? And so when, when I think of, of the armor, and, and this in particular, this next piece of armor, it's kind of got this dual role, all right, where it's, it's defensive, it's to stand firm, but it's also this kind of offensive mentality that comes with it. And this next piece of armor that we're going to talk about today is, is what I call gospel shoes. Gospel shoes. Sounds pretty intense, right? <laughs> Sounds pretty like, you know, th- these are made for battle, right? What, so what, what do gospel shoes, what, do, what does gospel footwear do to help us in battle? That's what we want to talk about today. How do gospel shoes help us in battle? And so I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse number 10, which is where this passage kind of takes off. And we're going to read down to verse number 15, which is our focus for today, verse number 15. Starting in verse number 10 of Ephesians 6, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm." Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And today, we're talking about as, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And so I want us to think about why shoes are important in battle. We don't often think about our feet when it comes to fighting and, and, and battle, but, but feet are, are the foundation of, of our body, right? Our, our feet are, just think about how much wear and tear your feet take and, and all the pressure and all the movement that your feet absorb. You know, our body needs a, needs a strong base and, and our feet are important for, for mobility. Because how many of y'all know that, you know, when your feet hurt, everything hurts, Right? It affects everything when your feet, your foundation 
hurt. And Josephus, who was a first century Jewish historian, the way that he described soldiers' shoes, he described them as, quote, shoes thickly studded with sharp nails. In other words, you don't want to take a shoe to the throat, right? These shoes with these, these protruding nails or studs. And, and when I think of gospel shoes, when I think of these soldier shoes, again, I'm going back to football. I think of cleats, all right? Any of you ever been cleated before? That's not fun, all right? So a cleat is, you know, these, these shoes with these studs that protrude into the ground, and what cleats help you do is they help you to, to you know, get firm footing, right? It ensures that you have good grip. This is why there's tons of injuries now where, you know, ACL or MCL, these things where they get their foot planted and then somebody comes and hits their legs because their, their foot is, is rooted in the ground. And it, so it helps to keep us rooted and upright. But then cleats also help with with running and cutting and stopping and all these, these quick movements. And so, so cleats ensure good grip, but they also help with, with movement. And, and this, is, this, this is the bottom line. When we're talking about gospel shoes today, we're gonna, I'm going to mention this, this phrase and then we're going to unpack it for the rest of the service. Only by strapping on gospel shoes can we be rooted and ready to go. Only by strapping on gospel shoes can we be rooted and ready to go. So we're going to talk about that for the next few minutes. And again, when I, when I think of this phrase, rooted and ready to go, gospel shoes, I think of a, another, again, I'm telling you, this is all football this morning. All right. Uh, I think of a linebacker, a linebacker, and a linebacker stance. All right, so again, one of the greatest linebackers of my generation is a guy named Ray Lewis who played for the Baltimore Ravens. And I found this picture, which is like, this is the, the perfect stance, like a ready stance for a linebacker uh, who's, who's getting ready for the ball to be snapped. And he's in this like ready position. Okay, so let me give you a little football one-on-one. Okay, if you don't know defense, hopefully this will help fill you in. There's kind of three layers of defense. One is the defensive line. The big boys up front, the maulers, okay, they're in the trenches. And then you've got the, the back end of the defense, or defensive backs, they're defending the pass. But you have in the middle of this defense, kind of in the quarterback of the defense position, is the linebacker. And they have to, they have to do it all. And so they have to be ready. And so when you see a linebacker, he's in this, this position where he's like, he's got his feet rooted, but he's on the balls of his toes, right? He's ready to move depending on where the ball is going. But he's ready to attack, he's ready to run up, he's ready to backpedal, he's ready to cover side to side. Um, and so they're, they're rooted and they're ready to go. And this is the image that, that, that I get from gospel shoes when we talk about strapping on these, these gospel shoes, being rooted and ready to move, ready to go. So let me talk about this first idea here. Uh, actually, before I do that, I, I, I do wanna take a second. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, Annette and I made a trip. We were gone for a weekend. We went to a little town in Northeast Ohio uh, called New Philadelphia, Ohio. All right, little town up there. So back 20 plus years ago, after Annette and I graduated from Bible college in the year 2000, we, we moved up to this little town in Northeast Ohio called New Philadelphia. Um, I had graduated, I was ready to be a pastor, but not ready, right? I had a degree, but I wasn't ready. And so we moved to this church where, man, we just, we loved their approach to ministry, the way that they did things, and we just said, man, we, let's, spend a, let's spend a few years here preparing more for, 
full-time vocational ministry. And so we went to this church and uh, man, it was such a great foundation for our, our marriage and for our ministry. And there was a man there named um, Mark Trotter, Pastor Mark, he was our pastor. And a couple weeks ago, we went back to Ohio to, to celebrate his life. He had passed away after a year-long battle with cancer. And he, easily the most influential man in our lives, uh, a man of God that loved the Lord, that loved the Word of God. And so, uh, you know, when I think of that time, you know, it was just, the timing was interesting because I was getting ready for, I was going to preach this sermon a few weeks ago, and then Pastor Mark uh, died, and, and we went back for this funeral. And you know, the place, and more in particular, the person who gave me a love for and a passion for the gospel was Pastor Mark in First Baptist Church. And I want to show you a couple pictures. I just want to reminisce and honor him because Pastor Mark was the one who gave me gospel shoes, who gave me a love for the ministry. You see baby Andrew and baby Annette there back in the year 2003. All right. And there's Pastor Mark um, speaking over us. And the next picture is a picture of the, the pastors praying over us as, man, I'm going to get emotional the second I start talking about this, praying over us because they had invested in us. They were ordaining us and sending us out into gospel ministry. And this was the place and these were the people. And he in particular was the pastor who gave me gospel shoes. And I'm so thankful for that. He was the one who helped me get rooted in the gospel and ready to go wherever God would send us. And so not a week goes by where something that I learned there, some way that God shaped me or formed me there under his ministry uh, doesn't come out in what happens here. And so I wanna, I wanna do him justice by honoring him uh, and because he was the one who gave me gospel shoes. But, but, but let's talk about what it means to be rooted in the gospel. And by the way, he looked like a stinking linebacker. He was a big dude who looked like he was ready to take you out when he preached the gospel. And so um, that's another reason why I wanted to include him in this, this sermon today. So rooted in the gospel, what does it mean to be rooted in the gospel? Chapter uh, 6 of Ephesians, verse 15, it, it talks about the, the gospel of peace, so to be rooted in the gospel, the gospel of peace, what is the gospel of peace? Well, the gospel, and again, here's, here's a passage that I remember reading and learning for the first time in this, this church in Northeast Ohio. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, defines, Paul defines the gospel for us. Paul says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel which I preached to you, which you received in which you stand. And I want to pause there for a second because I want, to, I want you to see the transfer, how the gospel transfers from person to person. Paul had the gospel. He preached it. The people received it. And then it says that gospel is what you now stand in. So think of this sermon, this, this sermon series. Stand firm. The foundation, the thing that we stand firm upon is the gospel. And it's received and it's it's preached and it's passed on. In fact, he goes on to say this uh, here in the next verse. He says, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse three, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So Paul received the gospel and then he preached it. He passed it on. He delivered it to others who received it. And then they were able to stand firm in it and then pass it on to others. Well, what is this gospel? He says, it's of first importance that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, 
that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And so the gospel is the work of Jesus, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. I want to I see what else he says. He says the gospel of peace, Romans 5, verse 1. And we could go to any number of passages in the New Testament. Gospel of peace. What is this gospel of peace? The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Romans 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this gospel is a gospel of peace because it brings us peace with God. It gives us peace with God. It's the good news of peace with God. And so I want us to pause here for a second before we even move on from this this very simple elementary idea of the gospel, like the importance of the gospel of peace. Paul said, first of all, it's, it's of first importance. In other words, there is nothing that is, is more important. Like what in life, I, I don't know where you're at in your life, but what is more important in your life than having peace with God? You know, when Pastor Mark's life was coming to an end in those last moments, you know what was the most important thing in his life? It, it, it wasn't what's going to happen to my wife and kids, what's going to happen in the church that I'm a part of. No, the most important thing in that moment when he came to take his last breath was, am I at peace with God? Have my sins been forgiven? Am I going to get to see Christ and spend eternity in heaven with him because I have peace with God? There's nothing more important than peace with God. And Paul says it is of first importance. And so maybe this morning you're, you're hearing this or watching online or listening, and maybe this is the only thing that you hear this morning. What is more important than peace with God? What good is it if your grades are high, but you don't have peace with God? What good is it if you have job security, but you don't have eternal security? You don't have peace with God, what good is it if you have good health and you're strong and healthy, but man, you don't have peace with God? What good is it is if you have everything you could possibly want in life, but you lack peace with God? There's nothing else more important to any of us than having peace with God. And this is what Paul is talking about. This is why it is of first importance. It's more important than anything else. This gospel, this reality that God came in the flesh to live a life that we were created to live but could never live because of our sin. And he died the death that we deserved, paying the price for our sins so that we could know God, so we have peace with God. It's of first importance. There's nothing else more important. But also, the gospel is our foundation it's what we stand firm upon. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that this is the gospel that you've received in which you stand. Because the truth is that if we're rooted in the gospel, like if our feet and our lives are rooted in the gospel, man, we're not gonna get knocked over 
by everything that happens in, in, in life to us. And, and I, I would dare say that, that if we struggle with constantly being knocked over emotionally and spiritually, it's because we're not rooted in the truth of the gospel. Maybe we prayed a prayer, received Jesus one day, but we, we haven't continued to grow and root ourselves deeper and deeper in the knowledge of God and who he is. And so when stuff comes up against us, when the storms and the winds of life come, we're not rooted and we get knocked over. And so we've got to be rooted in the gospel. We've got to strap on gospel shoes. And this is why I talk about week in and week out, the gospel. And some of y'all may get tired of it. I'm sorry, not sorry, <laughs> Right? Because we need to be rooted in it and continually growing in it. And the gospel shoes root us in the work of Christ. We can never get beyond the need for the gospel of peace. And so we've got to be rooted in the gospel. But then there's a second part of this. We need to be rooted in it, but we've got to be ready to go. We've got to be ready to go with it. And, and back in Ephesians 6 verse 15 Paul said this phrase, as shoes for your feet. And so let me ask you a question. I want you to, if you've got somebody next to you, I, I, want, you to, I want you to respond with an answer to the person next to you, okay? On a scale of one to 10, 10 being love, 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 one being ugh, hate. What do y'all think of feet? What do you think of feet? Okay, for, for me personally, okay, I'm on a two, maybe three, maybe one, <laughs> I do not like feet. When I think of feet, I mean, you may have the, the, the prettiest, most you know, pedicured feet there are, but when I hear or think about feet, there are certain images that come to my mind, all right? Some like this. <laughs> all right, all right, okay, all right. Those are my wife's feet. I'm just kidding, no, I'm just kidding. I just, happy birthday, I love you. <laughs> or I, <laughs> I've got a lot of work to make up for today, all right? Or images like this, all right, oh, like hobbit feet. These are like hobbit feet. Y'all, this pained me to Google. Google ugly feet. You'll, okay, or, or the worst, the worst. Here's one last image for you. Feel like this is, okay, I'm not looking at the screen. I'm not looking. Okay, you can move beyond this. We'll get beyond. This is, okay, how many of y'all are with me? When you think of feet, you're just like, gross, yuck, cover those things up, all right? Um, man. But, but here, here is, here's the reality, okay? Uh, and I, man, I'm telling y'all, I served you this week. I worked hard for that. <laughs> here's the reality is that if you think feet are ugly like I do, the truth is that God disagrees with us. I'm like, this is one of those things where I'm like, God, this proves that we are so different than, than God because God created. I'm like, I feel like God doesn't regret things, but if anything, he'd be like, man, I, can I get a do-over? I could make feet prettier. You know what I'm saying? But God actually calls feet beautiful. <laughs> Probably none of us would ever say that unless you've got some kind of weird foot fetish, right? God calls feet beautiful, but he doesn't call them beautiful for how they look. He calls them beautiful because of what they do. Because feet represent going. Feet, if, if we're going to be more specific, feet represent taking good news to bad people like you and me, sinners. 
who desperately need good news of grace and peace that is available to us. This is what feet represent in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. The the prophet said this. He said, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The prophet says, how beautiful are, are those feet that go with good news, that publish peace, that publish or declare salvation and happiness. How beautiful are the feet of those that take good news. You know, God says feet are, are beautiful. And here's the reality. As much as we may think feet are ugly, feet were not created to be pretty. Feet were created to be functional. Feet were, were, were created to fulfill a purpose, to serve a role, to get the job done. Right? In football, feet help you to, to run and to make tackles and to stop the ball or to defend the pass. You know, but in, in life as followers of Jesus, the job that we have been given is to get the good news of the gospel to those who are lost, to those that don't know peace in their life. Our job is to take the good news of the gospel and deliver it. And this is what the picture of feet is is all about. Listen, God is the one who draws people to himself. Jesus said it himself in John 6, verse 44. Jesus says that, that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. In other words, we can't save anybody. We can't change anybody's heart. That's God's work. God's work is to soften hard hearts. God's job is to change people's hearts. God's job is to use circumstances and different things in somebody's life to bring them to a point where they will listen and hear the gospel. But our job is to deliver the good news. And that's it. God changes hearts. God is the one who draws people to Christ. Sometimes he uses circumstances. Sometimes he uses bad circumstances. But always, 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 God uses people. Because God uses people to speak the good news, to share the good news with others. Paul said it again in in Romans 10 as he quotes Isaiah. Romans 10 verses 13 to 15 Paul said, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? They gotta believe first. And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? They've gotta hear before they believe. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Someone's gotta declare it to them. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Unless somebody moves towards them, unless somebody delivers it to them, as it is written, as it is written in Isaiah 52, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You know what, if you follow Jesus today, if you have a relationship with God, if you have peace with God in your life, it's because somebody strapped on their gospel shoes and brought you the good news. Somebody delivered it to you. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a spouse, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, pastor, preacher, whatever. Somebody delivered the good news to you. 
And the truth is that God wants to use you and God wants to use me to be bringers of good news. And I love this, that God doesn't discriminate on who he uses. You don't have to have a seminary degree for God to use you. In fact, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about how God chooses the weak and the foolish and the low and the despised. And so it's, it's no wonder that God would choose the ugliest part of our body, the lowest, most despised part of our body to say, this is the most beautiful thing about you, is your feet that aren't created to be pretty, they're created to be functional, they're created to go, to take, and to deliver good news to people. And so we need feet to take the gospel to others. But there's one more word in Ephesians chapter 6, 15 that I want to consider before we begin to wrap this up. Ephesians 6, 15, he says, having put on the readiness given by the gospel, that word readiness, I just want to take a minute to consider that. Readiness, it means to prepare or to, to make ready. <clears throat> and when you kind of do this survey of the scripture and you look at this term and how it kind of plays out in different examples and stories that, that Jesus and the writers of scripture use, there's, there's three big examples that we see when it, has, when it talks about this idea of readiness. <clears throat> One is an army being ready for, for battle. All right, so an army's got to make sure they've got their ammunition and their weapons and a battle plan, all these things. The army has to be ready for battle. <clears throat> also speaks about a home being ready for guests, all right? So, <clears throat> all right, so, you know, next week we're going to have new to friendship uh, at, at our home, March the 21st. And, you know, some people would be like, man, your house is always so clean. Our house is always so clean five minutes before you come, right? It's clean most of the time. Um, but you better believe that we are going to get our house ready for guests, right? We all do that, even if it's throwing, you know, stuff in the closet or under the bed or closing doors, whatever it takes. We're going to ready the house for guests. So that's, that's another idea that the scriptures use. Uh, another example or illustration in the scriptures is a bride ready for her groom, if you've ever been to a wedding, you know that, or if you've been in a wedding, you know that a bride doesn't like roll out of bed, throw her wedding gown on, and like march down the aisle, right? Typically doesn't happen that way. It typically takes hours, and it even takes weeks and months to even prepare for that day, and so there's all kinds of preparation so that a bride could be ready for her wedding day, right? This is your biggest picture moment of your life. You've got to be ready for this. And so when, when Paul talks about our, our readiness given by the gospel, I, I think most followers of Jesus, when we talk about evangelism or sharing our faith with others, most of us, if we're being honest, aren't super confident about that or we feel like we lack or we're, we do a bad job or we don't do it well or at all. Or we don't, and, and I would say the main reason, if I'm, if I'm guessing, the main reason that we don't share our faith is not because we don't want to. I think when we hear this and we think back that somebody brought the good news to us, we go, yes, I want to share my faith with others. I want others to experience this full life, forgiveness and, and peace with God. I think the main reason we don't share our faith is not because we don't want to. It's because we're not ready to. We're not prepared to. 1 Peter 3, verse 15 Another place where this idea is brought up, but in your hearts it says, 
Honor Christ the Lord as, as holy, always being prepared. And that's the same word or phrase translated as readiness. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so we see this thing of even like sharing our faith. It starts in our hearts. It starts with us honoring Christ the Lord as holy, that he's set apart, that we're rooted in, in our hearts, are rooted in the gospel, first of all. And that when people talk to us, man, we're just ready for the, the gospel just kind of spills out of us because it's in our hearts already. And so again, this, this idea, being rooted in the gospel, because the reality is, we're not going to share the gospel if we're not rooted in it already. We're not going to go with the gospel if we're not rooted in it. So we need to, first of all, be rooted in it and then ready to go. Remember that picture of the linebacker? Right? He's in this position. He's rooted. His feet are firmly planted. But man, he's ready to move sideline to sideline. He's ready to move forward. He's ready to move backwards. He is ready because his goal is, man, I want to get the gospel to people. And so if I have to back up, and be more gentle and I have to be more patient, then I'm gonna do that if I have to, if they're moving this way or that way, man, I'm gonna go wherever they're going because I wanna get them the gospel. And so I'm ready because my goal is for everybody that I know to know Jesus and to know peace. And so I wanna root myself in the gospel and I'm gonna be ready to go with that good news to take it to them wherever they are. I want to show you a, a quick video here, again, playing off of this, this whole football theme, um, you know, this idea that we are to take the gospel to others, that God calls our feet beautiful because of what they do. So check this video out. Here at the National Institute for Student Ministries, we've discovered a new method of evangelism that is shaking the very foundation of our thinking. It may appear unorthodox, but frankly, we're shocked with the results. We're amazed at this revolutionary idea especially designed to boost student evangelism. Why did I want to be the evangelism linebacker? Well, let me put it to you like this. Yeah, baby! Next time I'm gonna hit you so hard you're gonna go into flight, NASA's gonna think I didn't launch a satellite! You see, as a fish was created to swim in water, as a bird was created to fly, I was created to knock people out who don't evangelize. The evangelism linebacker deals directly with a variety of students' fears associated with sharing their faith. All right, it's all you. This house has got your name on it. I'm not ready yet. What makes you think I'm ready, though? Fear of rejection, for example. Let me talk to you about fear. Fourth and one, Jerry Rice, what you gonna do? That don't compare to fourth and one in eternity. It doesn't matter who rejects us because we're always accepted by Christ. God loves you. Get off the flow and go door to door. Can we talk to you for a minute? I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby. He loves you, but it might hurt. Sometimes I'll blow you up, but it's because I love you. Yeah, but just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I need to be out sharing my faith. I mean, ah, don't you run from me! You can't escape my class! D-Gray will throw you in the trash! Thanks to the evangelism linebacker, campus evangelism nationwide is up 87%. Hey, I can't go to the outreach today. I got, I just got some more important things I gotta do. Uh-huh. Hey man, give me a break. I went to church on Sunday. 
I gotta go. Selfishness? The world needs a message. For God to love the world, he wants to communicate it through you. If you procrastinate, you will open up the gate to a beatdown. Give me that phone, boy. When I see selfishness, it is my job to blow them up. That's what I do. I blow them up so that they can get their eyes off of self and look at Christ, the prize. What's up, baby girl? Nah, I'm busy. We're intrigued, as the linebacker is particularly effective in infiltrating centers of cultural and intellectual exchange. Here you go, here's your double cappuccino latte mocha with a twist. Not too hot, not too cold, perfect for you. Talking that guy the other night. Oh, I know, like we we're supposed to be sharing our faith in like coffee shop. Woo! Woo! Shut out in a coffee shop, baby! You next! It's unlikely that the recent decline in coffee sales has anything to do with our program. Pride comes before the fall, that's Old Testament! You see, I think it's fitting because when people have pride, that they're too prideful to share their faith, what I do is I knocks the pride out of them. What I would like to communicate to my brothers and sisters is this. When you least expect it, around the corner, perhaps even under your bed, I can be in a phone wire, I can be everywhere, and just know that I'm always watching, ready to lay the boom on you, baby. Booyah! Ouch. Are you ready for game day? <laughs> Evangelism linebacker. Okay. Man, so we're called to share our faith. We're to be rooted in the gospel and ready to go. I, I want to just kind of uh, uh, share this one last thing here before we wrap up. Um, you know, when we were in New Philadelphia, Ohio, one of the things that was most impactful for me that I remember, and it wasn't I don't even think it was part of a sermon. One of the things that Pastor Mark shared with us that I've just held on to, and it was a story about him and his best friend. Um, it went back to like their high school summer camp days. And I remember him sharing the story about how him and his friend had this, this three-word prayer. And I just want to share it because uh, I've, I've held on to it for all these years. And I think it's really been a foundation for our, our marriage, our, our lives, our ministry. And it was this very simple three-word prayer. Whatever, wherever, whenever. Whatever, wherever, whenever. Three simple words, but this is a tough prayer to pray unless you're rooted in the gospel. That you would pray, God, whatever it is that you, whatever you want me to do, I'm available. Wherever you want me to, to do it, I'll I'll go, and whenever you call me, man, I will obey, and I will follow. Man, you have to be rooted in the gospel to pray this prayer honestly. And so what we've said is that only by strapping on gospel shoes can we be rooted and ready to go. And even to pray this prayer, God, whoever it is that you want to send me to, wherever it is, whenever you call me to do it, I want to be obedient to you because I'm rooted in the reality of the gospel and I'm ready to go. God, whatever, wherever, whenever. 
the biggest opportunity that we have as the church every single year. I said this last week. The easiest opportunity that we have as a church every single year to, to go with the gospel or to bring others to the gospel, it's Easter. It's Easter Sunday. And we have that coming up in, what, three weeks from today, right? Three weeks from today. And, you know, for many who don't know Jesus, this is such an easy opportunity to invite folks here, all right? And, you know, an invitation to church is a gospel invitation. So I'm warning you because our deacons are going to serve as evangelism linebackers over the next three weeks, all right? So if you're not inviting folks, they will find you and they will take you out, all right? Y'all, this is our job. This is our responsibility. This is our privilege to be bringers of the good news, this gospel of peace. And when we strap on these gospel shoes, we are rooted in the gospel and we are ready to go. God says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news because beautiful feet lead to saved souls. And that's what we want around here. Amen. God, I just come to you this morning and we're grateful for this gospel of peace that we declare, that we rejoice in this morning, that we can be rooted in, that our lives can be firmly planted upon the foundation of the good news of the gospel. And so, Lord, I pray for those who may be watching, listening in this room even, God, that don't know you, that don't have a relationship with you, that need this good news of peace, this good news of salvation. God, I pray that you would draw them to yourself, that your spirit would do something to, to, to bring them to repentance today. Lord, I pray for, for us who have already received that good news of the gospel. God, I pray that you would help us to be people who root ourselves deeper and deeper in that truth, that reality, that goodness, that grace that we have received. And Lord, help us to be ready to go. God, with the opportunities that you will give us today and tomorrow and this week, over these next several weeks, God, every single day of our lives, God, we wanna be ready to go with this good news of the gospel to be those ones who are running upon the mountaintops, publishing this good news of peace, of salvation, of happiness that is available to us in Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be people who strap on not just the belt of truth, we don't just put on this breastplate of righteousness, but, God, that we would put on gospel shoes so we take this good news into all the world and so Lord we pray even now for Easter what you're going to do on Easter Sunday and these weeks leading up to that God would you we pray for our ones every single one that we are praying for the people that you've put on our hearts the ones that we want to reach with the good news God would you open up doors of opportunity for us over the upcoming days and weeks God would you give us boldness encouraged to step out in faith, to trust you, to speak out. God, would you give us a readiness? Help us to be ready. Help us to see and hear and sense your spirit moving in us. 
give us the courage. And then God, would you do the work that only you could do? Would you change hearts? Would you bring people into a relationship with you by faith? Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are and that you use us, the weak and the foolish, the low and the despised. You use us to get this life-changing message to the world. God, we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.